Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. This is the BK and Ferrario Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Joe West is now just ejected Mike Schilt, and he was given Gallegos a look about his hat, I believe. Can't have water on your hat anymore? You're going to take that ad to the umpire's room. It'll be evaluated. You know, there are supposed to be people that are policing this every day in Major League Baseball. I'm sure he's saying, look at the other side. Absolutely. That's what he was trying to say. He was frustrated. He was hot. He was ejected. Mike Schilt was, and then went on a long uh, explanation of why he was upset. Well thought out as well. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Danny Mac Show. That is BK. Tanner is with us. Our guest coming up, perfect timing, Eno Saris of The Athletic. And uh, he dives into the numbers, spin rate, uh, the, the little things that you think about in baseball. I'll be curious to get his thoughts on what happened yesterday and also how a foreign substance is really affecting the game of baseball. As Mike Schilt said, baseball's dirty little secret. I didn't understand it yesterday, BK. I I don't understand why you go after Giovanni Gallegos in that spot when there are so many guys going to their wrist, going to the glove, going to the hat, going to the belt, going to a pant leg, going to a sleeve of a jersey, whatever. It's supposed to be policed, and they picked an odd moment to go after Gallegos and the Cardinals. This is an interesting one for me, Dan, because it's almost, to me at least, like you're the guy on the highway that's going in a 70-mile-an-hour speed zone. You're going 75, and everybody around you is going 85, and you're the one that gets pulled over. And the reason why I say that is because this is happening all across the league. There have been numerous stories throughout this season, and Mike Schultz has even made reference to the fact that, hey, there are guys that are out here... I don't think he used the term cheating, but basically saying there are guys that are out here cheating. They're using these foreign substances to get a better spin rate, which makes them better pitchers, right? And Giovanni Gallegos had something on his hat. Like, it it was very clear for everybody to see. However, it does not appear to me like he is the biggest offender of this. And so for him to be picked out a quarter of the way through the season in a random spot, that's what I had an issue with. It's, But it's less about him getting picked out and more about, well, you're not policing anybody else on this, so why now start to do this? So you wake up this morning, and you're Rob Manfred, and you're the competitive competition committee of uh, Major League Baseball. I got to get everybody on the phone and say, now, what are we doing here, boys? Because I, I brought up on the broadcast later in the game, I said, well, Alex Race is coming, and I can see a little bit on the tip of his cap. I can see something. I've done countless games watching guys go to their wrist watching guys go to their hat so my point is how far are we going to take it because we just opened up a whole can of worms with this thing a whole can of worms because if you're going to do it to Giovanni Gallegos you got to do it to the rest of the league and the rest of the league is going please don't exactly and hitters also are saying please don't go too far with this right like there are there are a lot of guys that will tell you and Mike Schilt made mention of this in his post-game press conference last night They don't want you completely taking away the tough skin and the rosin bag. Like, otherwise, these dudes are just going to be hitting even more batters. And that's already happening at an astronomical rate. Batters are saying, do I really want 98 with a slick baseball? No, no. absolutely not. Could kill me. 
you know, if they need a little bit of substance to help them out. Now the question is, we're in a gray area. What is the limit? How much can you use? I didn't see Gallegos being egregious with this. And so that's why the can of worms has been opened up to where, okay, um, they have all the data and BK goes out on Wednesday and he's going to pitch again on Monday. BK had a spin rate that we haven't seen the entire year. Okay. So I'm the opposing team on that Monday. I'm watching your film. I got your spin rates. So am I going to say after the first inning, hey, we're getting ridiculous spin rates off this guy. Go check his glove, please. Go check his hat. Go check his sleeve or whatever you detect. That's what you could have by opening up the can of worms yesterday. And then the question is, okay, so you go out there and you check the hat, you check the glove, whatever. And yeah, there's something on there, but how do I know what it is? (laughs) How do I know what the threshold is that is quote unquote too much? Is this the thing where we decide, okay, it's completely up to the umpires. It's their discretion because then now you're going to be in a situation where each umpire has a different threshold Absolutely. for what they're willing to to, uh, to, to have on the glove. It just becomes very difficult to police. And Mike Schill, you mentioned this, Dan. You're absolutely right. He had a great press conference last night. We can't play the full thing because it's nine and a half minutes long. It would take up our entire opening segment right now. But if you're a Cardinals fan and you didn't see it last night, I highly recommend going and checking that out because it's probably the single best like 10 minute explanation as to what's going on right now that I've seen anywhere on this. We were on a private Zoom with Mike and he was asked about this three weeks ago. And he said, boy, I've got a lot of thoughts about this. Well, I heard him yesterday and he gave me kind of the cliff notes version of those that were on the Zoom. And he's frustrated because of what I'm saying here. You can quantify these things because you have the data in front of you. They have the opposition's data. And I don't know if you picked up on this during the game early on, and I'm not a, I'm not saying that Rodon was doing this, but I said it is interesting when you see certain guys that all of a sudden have figured it out. Is it figuring it out by – is it a mental thing? Was it a physical thing? And, again, I want to make this clear. I'm not saying him. I'm just saying in general when guys all of a sudden figure it out, and he has figured it out. He was flat out nasty again yesterday. Um, You know, now do you have to start looking at, okay, well, what are they doing? And we're going to call them out on it. I mean, that's where you're at now. And so, again, you're starting yesterday. You just had a great game. I've got the data on you. Am I going to call you out on Monday? Because what normally has to happen, it has to come from the opposing bench to say, we want to check on the pine tar potentially on his hat. And the umpire will go check. So I'm... The other part I'm really curious about, BK, and maybe you have the answer to this, how did this come about? So is this Dan Bellino? I think it was Dan Bellino. Going to Joe West, the crew chief, which he's supposed to do, and saying, hey, I see something here. Or was it something like whispered from the bench or a player going out and saying, hey, we got something on this guy? Where did it originate? I'd like to know that, too. Because that's part of the story. It sounds like that's the case. Um, But getting back to what you said at the beginning there of other guys that are doing this, I mean... It's an open secret in baseball, or at least it seems to be, that Trevor Bauer, I mean, he said it publicly even. Let's just use his own words here. He said, if I wanted to add another, I think it was 300 RPMs to uh, my spin rate, I could. I know exactly how to do it, and I've experimented with it at driveline, where if I use certain substances, I know exactly how that's going to affect my spin rate. And it happened the next year like his spin rate jumps almost the exact amount that he said he could so i don't know if he's doing that still i have no idea but i know that they took one of his baseballs earlier this season and that became a huge thing and then nothing came of it 
Well, there's guys in the dugout, I believe, or in the clubhouse that are kind of roaming and policing this for Major League Baseball, and they're supposed to grab some of these balls if there's someone suspected of really doctoring the baseball and and testing them. They, they have the ability to do that. So there's a lot of unanswered questions with this. Mike Schilt, uh, let's play a portion of the press conference here on Major League Baseball's issues right now with quote-unquote concocted substances. Major League Baseball's got a very, very, very tough position here because there are people that are effectively and not even trying to hide, essentially flipping the bird at the league with how they're cheating in this game with concocted substances. There are players that have been monetized for it. There are players that are obviously doing it going to their glove, clear video of it. You can tell the pitchers that are doing it because they don't want to go to their their mouth, which Geo does off the rubber. And understandably, Major League Baseball is is trying their best to do it in a manner that doesn't create any black eye for the integrity of the game that we love. Bingo. I think he's right about that. Then he went on and he talked about what are the substances being used? Are there certain ones that are okay by him? Hitters don't mind the grip. They don't want the stuff that's making the ball do wiffle ball stuff. And that's the issue at hand here. So you want to police some sunscreen and rosin? Go ahead. Get every single person in this league. Hit by pitches will just continue to go up. Balls will get away. But why don't you start with the guys that are cheating with some stuff that are really imp- impacting the game and impacting how people play this game? And that's the, that's the integrity of the game I'll speak up for. Popular, I really don't care. It's accurate. He is accurate. And so now I, I think the question is, when, what, what's, the, what's the line you draw here, and when do you question that? And now are there going to be other people in baseball that do that? Are umpires now going to be trying to police this more, or is this just a one-off and it just brought it to what he's talked about, which is the uh, you know dirtiest little secret in baseball? So I mentioned earlier Trevor Bauer, Dan, and I'll go ahead and give you the numbers behind what I was talking about. Trevor Bauer's curveball spin rate was in like the 60th percentile for the vast majority of his major league career, which means about 40% of baseball had a better spin rate than Trevor Bauer did. So he was kind of middle of the pack when it came to how he spun the ball on his curve. The last two seasons, he has seen a dramatic spike And now he is in the top 10 percentile in the way that he is spinning his curveball, which means previously he was middle of the pack. Now it is elite. It's one of the best in all of baseball when it comes to spinning that curve. This year, it's increased again. It's up to the 95th percentile. Only 5% of baseball uh, pitchers this year have more spin on their curve than Trevor Bauer. He's just one example. I'm naming him because he has spoken publicly about it. But there are other guys that have seen other jumps just like this in their spin rates. And that's really what we're talking about. I can't wait to talk to Eno Saris about it later on this morning because he's dove into these numbers more than I ever could. But this is why what we saw yesterday with Giovanni Gallegos is not a Gallegos issue specifically. It is not a Cardinals issue. It is a baseball as a whole issue. And I don't know what the good answers are. This is something where like Theo Epstein, all those guys yeah. that are supposed to help the game that are in the front office now of Major League Baseball, they've got to come up with a solution to this one and fast because they opened up a big can of worms yesterday. John Gant was the starter yesterday. His reaction to what he saw. I was not in the dugout, but uh, it, it looked like some BS to me. That's all I want to say about it. All right, John Gant. <laughs> Love it. That's pretty much John Gant in a nutshell. Love him. He's great. 
He's fun to deal with. I'm going to get into his start, and he's walking that tightrope again yesterday, and somehow he got through it. The bullpen was really good, and we'll talk about Tommy Edmond as well. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. guy's a player man tommy edmund couple of home runs and uh tommy edmund was able to get to carlos rodon who was really good 10 strikeouts in six innings it's now back-to-back games in which he has struck out 10 and uh only one hit allowed and that one mistake was the home run by edmund edmund has uh has been everything you could possibly want from the st louis cardinals i mean he is the leadoff guy he's consistent for the most part at the top there's been some ups and downs he's just kind of coming out a little bit of a a rut in like his last, I don't know, 20, 30 at bat, something like that. And then you look at what he does in flexibility for you to play right field. Yeah, he had a drop the other day. It happens. It's been rare for him, and he plays a great second base. This guy is some kind of player, man. He's awesome. I've told you before, if I was going to buy a jersey for this Cardinals team, it would be Tommy Edmonds. He's my favorite player to watch on this current club. You know why he is? He's the anti-2021 player. Yeah. He gives you some entertainment. He gives you some excitement. He can run. He can defend. Doesn't strike out and puts the ball in play. That sounds like an entertaining player to me. He's awesome. You're right, Dan. Um, And it's the defense. It's the speed. He's a throwback. He really is. He would have fit in. And we've talked about this with guys from those 80s teams. He would have fit in with Whitey Herzog. He could have played for Whitey. He would have been totally fine on those teams. He's on pace this year, Dan, to strike out 73 times. All season long, we play 162 baseball games in in this season. He's on pace to play all of them. And he is on pace to strike out 73 times. That is so refreshing to see a guy that goes up there with an approach. And we've talked to him about this. And he just, he, he finds a way to put his bat on the ball consistently. And with his speed, he puts pressure on the defense. And there are a lot of bad defenders in baseball right now. And he ends up on first more often than not. It's great to watch. I do a TV show on Channel 2, 1030 every Sunday. Tommy Edmond will be my guest. And one of the things, so DVR it, Channel 2, 1030 every Sunday. Um, And I know you've never missed an episode. I'm all in on it. Tommy will be my guest. And one of the things I want to get into is kind of the mental side of the game. He's a very, very smart uh, bright guy, Stanford educated. And his family's got a huge background in baseball He's just a baseball player, man. I don't know how else to put it. You know, he's he's not swinging for fences. He's trying to put the ball in play. He'll hit behind a runner. He'll hit the other way. I've been noticing teams have tried to shift on him. Then yep. he started taking it the other way. He makes adjustments. He's a fun player to watch. And yesterday he hit a couple of home runs. Actually, earlier in that game, um, I talked to Goldie a little bit, and, and uh, he was mentioning to me that, um, our, uh, it's kind of seemed like the past week or so we were lacking a little bit of that intensity that we had when we were, when we were uh, really hot during the year. And um, I think that was actually the inning before I hit the homer, so or the first homer. So I came back in the dugout, and Goldie gave me a high five. He's like, oh, well, that's one way to, to raise the intensity. How interesting is that, though, the comment from Edmund about Goldie saying, and he noticed that their intensity wasn't quite where it needed to be. 
I found that really interesting. And I think he's right. You can feel that over the last couple of weeks. And Dan, I do wonder, um, there's been a little bit of a lull from Nolan Arenado. And I thought in the first month or so of the season, this team really took on Nolan Arenado's image. I think they played through him. He was almost a personification of the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals. He's still been good, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Nolan Arenado at all. But in this stretch, he's he's been slumping a little more than he was when he was red hot prior to. So I wonder if there is something to that. You know, they they, they had a little bit of a lull from their best player, and they took that on as well. They've had some injuries. It is getting towards the midpoint of the season. I think there's something to it. Yeah, and you look at Goldie and Arenado, and at times they've been red hot, and when they are... This team is really tough to beat, especially when you have the big three available for that night. And Tommy Edmond has kind of been the constant all the way through. So, yeah, I, I think there's maybe something to that. John Gant was under constant pressure in his start yesterday, allowed 10 batters to reach base, had to escape bases loaded jam twice. He goes five innings, five hits, walked three, struck out three. And that's a good, really good White Sox lineup, even without Jimenez, even without Robert. They're still really good. I, I just this year that he's having is fascinating to me. So Gant among starters with 30 innings, 10th in ERA, 1.81. Most walks though with 31. And before yesterday's game, he had faced 49 batters with runners in scoring position. The average in those spots, 132. He's now faced 10 batters with the bases loaded. None of them have recorded a hit. The expected ERA he's supposed to have is above five. His actual ERA, as I just mentioned, is about one nine. How is he doing this? It's unbelievable how he's doing this. I don't understand it. It goes against everything that I believe in baseball to believe that this is going to continue. But I'm throwing my hands up at this point, Dan. And I'm just going to continue to root for this to be the case. I do think there is something about his profile as a pitcher that helps him. And that is... He's a great ground ball pitcher. He does not allow home runs. If you look at the home Soft run contact. rates for players, he is the Give second. It up one. He's the second lowest home run rate. If you go by that side of things, among all pitchers that have thrown at least thirty innings, so he's been great at suppressing those this year. And I, I think there's something to this. I, I think maybe he is just the type of pitcher that profiles to be able to get out of those GMs a little easier than a lot of other guys. Now, is he going to be able to sustain a 1.8 ERA pitching this way? No, he's not. But he doesn't have to. He's your number five starter, and if he can stay below a four while pitching this way, that's fine. You, you can live with this as, as what you're getting out of him. I'd love to see him, though, if he's going to be if he's going to start giving up runs, he, I just want to see him be more efficient in the strike zone to where he gives you six or seven so instead of five every time out. So I would have, though, Dan. And, and I'm just trying to think of explanations for all of this. It, it's stuff. odd. I don't know how he's doing it. I wonder if part of why he is giving up fewer home runs than a lot of other guys is because he's not right around the middle of the zone, you know? So he gets this soft contact because guys are uncomfortable with where he's throwing. And look at what they're doing against his changeup. Yeah. It's his best pitch, and it's soft, and he throws it a ton, and he gets chase. And that's part of it, too. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not throwing 98, so if you barrel one up, it's gone. He doesn't get that. He's He's got unbelievable movement with his pitches. He's hard to barrel up. I mean, that's just the facts. It is. Um, and and the, the changeup is a dominant pitch for him. And so when he gets in trouble, he gets the Vulcan grip out, throws a changeup, you see a ground ball, you see soft contact. And the other thing that we should mention, maybe the play of the game yesterday was in the first inning, bases loaded, one out, 
and a line drive to Justin Williams, and he turns it into a double play at the plate. If that run scores, I'm not sure they win that game. Rodon had, it was dominating. Now you fall behind. Who knows what happens in the rest of the inning? But he got out of it, and that's just the way he's lived this year. He's been living on the edge at all times, and he is finding a way to get out of those spots. 85% of the guys that have got on base against John Gant have not come around to score. Incredible. 85%, which is right near the top of the leaderboards. I mean, he's he's walking. We get on the, the bullpen about their walk rate, right? Uh, this we, guy's he's all over the place. We've talked about how the bullpen has the highest bullpen walk rate, basically in the history of the sport. Well, it's the same walk rate that John Gann has every time that he goes out there. He's walking one out of every six guys that comes to the plate, 16%. I I don't get it, but I got to throw my hands up. I was complaining about it earlier in the season. I can't do that anymore. John Gann's been great. I, I got nothing more to say. He's been excellent for this team. So how is he doing it? Don't really have an explanation for you, but, you know, when a runner gets on base, uh, I mean, that's obviously a pitcher's goal is to not have him score. Um so I'm just trying to keep doing that. There you go. <laughs> Don't have an explanation for you. And neither do we. And, and you know, all the stat people out there, they can't explain it either. No. It's just one of these oddities that John Gant is able to get out of trouble. Now, I will say this. We're two months into the season. I'm not sure it's sustainable for six. And if it is then God bless him. I don't know how you're doing it. it you're, you're Houdini in a baseball uniform. I will also add this, Dan. Um, if the Cardinals were to add another starting pitcher and John Gant is pushed out of the rotation, or if Miles Michaelis, I think I saw yesterday, Mike Schultz said that they're expecting Michaelis back sooner rather than later. We'll see on that. But if he's able to return and he's at full health and Gant's pushed out of the rotation, he could be a dynamite weapon for them out of the bullpen because if what he is doing is real and it's because of the ground ball rate it's because he provides that soft contact that you were talking about he doesn't give up home runs well imagine him coming in in like the fifth or the sixth inning when you're inheriting runners exactly you got first and second you've got one out you need that double play ball coming up John Gant would be a huge weapon in that spot. And the other thing he could do there is, okay, he gets you out of that jam, and then he can give you two more innings, and it takes a little bit of the load, a little bit of the burden off of that big three that you were referencing. That's why Michaelis's injury is, that I was talking about it earlier with you, the trickle-down effect of that. Because to me, if you're right now you're in the middle of 17 games, 17 in a row, they're going to do uh, go with Oviedo and do a, a six-man here in this rotation, but it just would have been the perfect uh, perfect situation to have Gant go to your bullpen. He may not want to. He wants to start. I get that. That's where guys get paid. But for what this team needs, they need a guy like John Gant in their bullpen. Tommy Edmund was asked about it, too. He's seen it all year. How's this guy doing it? He's incredible. I mean, he just does a great job of making those uh, big pitches when he needs to. He just never gives in and, and competes his butt off, and um, he's just been great all year. Tenth in ERA. Most walks, 49 batters faced with runners in scoring position. They're hitting 132 against him. And now 10 batters faced with the bases loaded. None of them have recorded a hit. Expected ERA above five. His ERA is 10th best in the game. I know you dive into the numbers. I'll let you explain it five days from now or six days from now when this happens. I don't know how he's doing it. There's There literally is no explanation. I It was about a month ago I told Alex Ferrario, they've got to get him out of the rotation. No way this is sustainable. They've basically been playing with fire all year. I think the way that I described it, the analogy that I used, Dan, was 
they've got a lit stick of dynamite that is in yeah. their hand and they are just holding it as opposed to throwing it as far away as they can. And they're hoping that it's a dud. And so far this year, repeatedly through nine starts now, it's been a dud every time. I don't know how he's doing it, but keep on doing it because you needed that win yesterday and the Cardinals got it. Now they go to Arizona, a team that's lost 10 in a row. They're at the bottom of the National League West. Um, got to win this series. Got to win it. And they'll have Carlos Martinez going tonight against a guy that has only made three career starts. So we'll see how that fares coming up for the St. Louis Cardinals. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Joe West is now just ejected Mike Schilt, and he was giving Gallegos a look about his hat, I believe. Can't have water on your hat anymore? You're going to take that ad to the umpire's room. It'll be evaluated. You know, there are supposed to be people that are policing this every day in Major League Baseball. And I'm sure somebody... he's saying, look at the other side. Yeah. That's what it sounded like last night on Bally Sports Midwest as Mike Schiltz was thrown out of the game after Giovanni Gallegos had his hat confiscated by the umpires. And we're talking things over now with Eno Saris, who's been writing about all of this, the uh, illegal substances or ban uh, the substances. I don't know how you want to look at this in particular, but he's been writing about it all over at The Athletic. He joins us now via the Browning Group and Celebrity Line. Eno, we always appreciate the time, man. What was your initial reaction yesterday? when you saw uh, what had taken place with that Giovanni Gallego situation. It was really interesting because this is really at the nexus of my reporting on this, which has evolved. You know, at the beginning, um, I kind of tried to just let everybody know this is going on. And, and, you know, about 75 to 80 plus percent of baseball's pitchers are using something to, to on their fingers when they pitch. Um, but then over time, I realized there is a difference between sunscreen and rosin, which does not give you much of, a, of an RPM boost. It does not boost your spin rate the same way as something like spider tack, which we found, which is this crazy substance that can hold a cinder block to your hand um, that adds 500 RPM to your pitches. So, um, you know, there, there's a difference there. There's a gray area there. Where, you know, when, when I saw him talking, when I saw Gallegos talking to Joe West, he kind of pointed to his forearm and he pointed to the rosin bag. And it was, seemed very obvious he was talking about sunscreen and rosin. And then afterwards, Mike Schill talked about sunscreen and rosin. I kind of think there's no way to police that because you can't tell people not to wear sunscreen. And, um, I ca- and it doesn't give you that much of a, of a, of a performance boost. But I do think there's a difference between that and some of the substances other pitchers are using that are that are giving them two, three, four hundred RPM boosts on their fastballs and breaking balls. You know, I, I was on the call yesterday, and my first thought when I saw this was, "Hey, if you're going to go after my guy, you better start going after every guy." And it's everybody knows it's going on. And as you mentioned, it's a gray area, and they've opened up now an entire can of worms. And I've been saying this morning, if I'm Ram, Rob Manford, I, I got to be on the phone with umpires or my competition committee and say, how are we handling this going forward? What do you, what do you think happens now going forward? Because you went after a guy that it, it didn't look to be blatant, wasn't uh, 
something that you, you would say, oh, he's definitely cheating. This is something we got to take care of. Everybody else is doing it, or at least, as you've reported, a great majority. So what do you do going forward? Yeah, it's going to be really difficult. There have been some incidents before this. We reported on some stuff that happened uh, with Ken Rosenthal. We reported about um, you know, some balls that were confiscated at, during a Dodgers start in Oakland. Um, and so we've been trying to, to push the league to, to make a comment about those balls because that was like three, four weeks ago. Was that a Trevor Bauer and, start? <laughs> yes, it was. Okay, just making um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, but you know, to be to be fair, they they confiscated a bunch of balls and uh, from that one start, and I, and I would assume that they were they're doing this because they said they would at the beginning of the season that they would they would they would look at balls and they would try to match balls to pitchers and see what was going on. If I'm going to be charitable to baseball, I think what's happening right now is. It's a, it's not a one-on-one parallel, but remember the Mitchell report. There was like, the, right now, I think baseball is in the information gathering part of it, where they're trying to figure out how big a problem this is, how many people are using sunscreen rosin, how many people are using the crazier substances, um, and I don't think they want to start the big battle with the players' union and start suspending pitchers for this this year because the collective bargaining agreement is up um, this offseason, and they're already in a big battle about money. So I think that they don't want to start this one right now. I think they're collecting information. So my guess is uh, no, no fine or suspension for Gallegos. That makes sense, you know, but when they do start going that route, how do you police something like this? Like, it it seems like, in, and Mike Schultz had some great comments about this after the game, these umpires already have a difficult job. If you're an influence, or you, if you're adding this to what they have to police during the games, it just seems like a lot. And then the question becomes, like, what is the threshold for these sorts of things? How do you test for is that just rosin and sunscreen or is it something else? How do you think that the league then, based on your reporting, goes about actually policing this when they decide to start going that route? Yeah, it isn't something where you're going to find a solution where you catch everyone. I think the idea would be that you find some solution that catches some people and that sort of scares the other rest of them straight. Um, I, I think that would be something you could do with confiscated balls. You'd have to kind of link the chain of command. You could, it has to be a ball that wasn't hit by anybody into play. It has to be a ball that maybe the catcher didn't even touch, you know, because the catchers had pine tar all over them. Um, and, uh, you know, there has to be some sort of process. I think, I think they're kind of trying to develop that process. But the one reason that it's worth doing, I think, because there is this narrative that, oh, they're just doing it for grip. And I and for sunscreen and rosin, I'm, I'm fine with that. But the reason that this is worth doing is I talked to a pitching coordinator that said that these advanced substances, the spider tack and so on, that it's better than steroids and that it increases breaking ball efficacy by 30%. And we're looking right now at baseball almost striking up. Players are striking out almost a quarter of the time uh, for the first time in the history of baseball. What if we policed this and we got strikeout rates back down a little bit? Like what if that was the easiest thing that we could do to get more balls in play? Interesting. What else would you do? Would you? So, for instance, I, I brought this up uh, a couple of days ago. 
and we're seeing guys, you know, throwing 95 or above. And if they throw it at the letters more times than not, guys aren't catching up. So would you lower a strike zone? Would you make it bigger going east to west? Would you think about moving the the mound back? I, I know you dive into these numbers. You're the best in the country at doing it. I wish they would ask you, sir, for some of your research and say, hey, let's 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 bring in Eno and see what he has to say about this. I, I think anything's on the table at this point. So what, what do you think? I, and I know you talk to a lot of people in the game. How would you do this? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. If you move the mound back, you do, uh, especially because robot ups are coming. I mean, yes. Robot ups are now in, in high A, so they're advancing through the minor leagues, and we'll have robot ups, I would say, in the next two to three years in the major leagues. So if you combine robot umps with moving the mound back, what you might end up is a bunch of Sergio Romos and Rich Hill, guys who throw pitches that barely, you know, cut a little part of the zone, make the, make the little machine go beep, and then end up like, you know, two feet out of the zone by the time the catcher catches. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if that would be great. I think that might lead to more strikeouts because you move the mound back further, the, the pitch has more opportunity to move, so we might just get a ton of breaking balls. Um, so I think there's some unintended consequences there, and I'd love to just – I'd love to put it in place somewhere for two years, you know, three years, just to see, uh, you know, second – you know, what happens the second year and the third year and what kind of pitchers start to – what kind of pitches people start to throw and all that sort of stuff. But the easiest stuff, the stuff that I would do right away, I would do a pitch clock right away. Um, one thing that pitchers are doing right now is waiting as long as possible between pitches so they can throw as hard as possible. If you ever weight lifted, you know you can wait longer between reps to, to do bigger numbers. Um, and so what, you know, if I just tell them, hurry up, get back in, and I tell the hit, hitter to get back in the box, what I'm hopefully doing is upping the pace of play a little bit and reducing velocity. So that's the number one thing I would do. Um, and then once the robot arms come, I think you can be more precise about, you know, modeling what happens. Because I think it's actually really hard to decide what happens when you do something to the strike zone. Are batters going to swing more? Are pitchers going to throw in the zone more? Or are they throw in the zone less? Are they doing more walks? I think it's really hard to model that sort of thing. So what I would say is, you know, have robot arms in the league. Uh, make little small changes, be precise about it. If you tell the umpires, oh, you know, start calling the ball an inch higher, it takes a couple of years before you're really good at it. You know, but if you tell a robot um to do that, um, you can kind of implement it right away and see what happens. Eno Saris is joining us here on 101 ESPN. He covers the major, the MLB for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at his name. Eno, I did want to get back to the, the substances thing. You said it, it improves a pitcher's RPMs by 30%. For our audience, that like the RPM stuff, it can go over some people's head whenever they hear it at first. Uh, can you put into maybe layman's terms for our audience what that means? Like, what does that do for a pitcher? What does that do for the hitter that is going up against that pitcher? How much more difficult are they as an at bat now? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it improves it by you know as much as three to five hundred RPM. Which I yes, I, I I get that that's a kind of a weird concept uh, because there's not even the ball's not even in, in the air for a minute. So how, you know, what are you, why are we talking about revolutions for a minute, but the 30% number, I'm hoping that that kind of gets it across. Mm. It makes breaking balls 30% better. <laughs> so wow. it's like, if you sort of, I think imagine, just think about some of the breaking balls that we see now that we never saw before. 
Think about 94-mile-an-hour sliders, you know? Think about some of the kind of combination of velocity and drop that we're seeing on breaking balls now that we didn't used to see before. I think that some of those pitches, a good number of those pitches, are due to these sort of grip substances. So there is a there there is a just a real level that a breaking ball can get to if you use this that you can't if you don't use it. How much of an open secret is this in baseball? Like, is this spoken about within clubhouses from the guys that you have talked to? You know, how, how open is this? Well, like any sort of open secret um i first heard about this you know six seven years ago and i said you know to my pitching contacts my pitchers that i was talking to i said i I have to write about this and they begged me not to you know they just said this will start off a whole firestorm and rob manfred will have to make some rules and it'll just be ridiculous don't do it and um i just thought it was unfair over amount of over, over a certain amount of time because there are some people who are not doing it you know and when you do selective enforcement and or you know it's just unfair what, who are you singling out to to enforce this and also it, it leaves this sort of opportunity for a manager in a high stakes game to say this game is so high stakes i know there's guys on my side who do this but i need to win this game at all costs so i'm going to go get that pitcher from the other team right now and deal with the consequences later so imagine a world series game 7 the rule is on the books. If you tell the umpire, go look at that pitcher, he has to go look at the pitcher, right? And so if he takes, you know, a, a, a major league ace off the mound in game seven, you know, the, the, the manager will know he's going to deal with some consequences next year, but he might win the World Series because of it. So I, I just think it's an unfair rule. Like, it's, it's the way it is now with selective enforcement and so many people looking the other way to the point where I have reporting now that, you know, my, they're in the minor leagues. Some teams are introducing the stuff to the, to the players in the minor leagues so that they don't uh, set off any alarms so they get to the major leagues and have a high spin rate. Wow. So, oh, it, man. It, it's pervasive. It's pervasive. It used to be you go out to the bullpen and there's a whole bunch of sticky stuff. Now that Manfred's trying to crack down, you know, you're kind of in charge of your own sticky stuff. Uh, you know, there's no way the pitching coach is going to be tied to it. He doesn't want to lose his job. But uh, it's so pervasive that everybody, you know, they share sticky stuff recipes with each other. My final question or point would be, I would assume that many in Major League Baseball were happy how Mike Shield handled it in terms of, of really explaining what's going on with the game to where we're talking about it today. And it's being talked about all over the place. MLB Network across the country, the cities that have teams that are interested in baseball. I don't know. I, I, I just thought, you know, that he really handled it well after the game yesterday. You know, and I'd like to give Joe West some props. He does not get enough. You know, he gets a lot of guff around baseball circles, um, and he does throw out a fair amount of people. And uh, you know, he, he's got his own style. But the thing that I liked about what Joe West did is he did not kick Giovanni Gallegos out of the game. Yeah, yeah, you kept know? him in, so, kept the competitive uh, spirit alive let, of the game. Yeah, let him stay in the game. Take the hat off. I, Mike Schilt had to do what he had to do to protect his player. And, and, you know, I guess some of that is theater, but then, well, you know, Schilt was really, was real after the game. And, you know, he kind of admitted basically that his guy was using sunscreen and rosin, but there has to be uh, kind of some sort of line between the sunscreen and rosin, which does not really have a performance enhancement aspect. 
um, not on the level of, you know, spider tack and, you know, people are boiling Coca-Cola together with, you know, resin and, and CBD oils and whatever. So, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, there's, there's some sort of line to be drawn and there is definitely some clarification from baseball that needs to happen, but who knows if it'll happen this year. Well, you know, we always appreciate the time. We'll be checking out all of your reporting over at The Athletic. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, and uh, we'll talk with you again soon, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It. Thanks. That was good. Really good stuff. 30% bump. That's I didn't realize it was that much. That's a lot. With guys that already can break them off and spin it. So think about that, Dan. If I told you at anything that you do, whatever it is, like you the listener, whatever it is that you do, if I told you, hey, there's this thing that you can do. It's not going to change anything about your body, but it's going to make you 30% better at your job immediately. The second you do this, it will be 30% in terms of a jump in your performance. Every one of us would do that. Well, the thing that I took away from him was the steroid comparison and then doing a Mitchell report style. And I think he may have answered the question that I have, which is how far do we go with this? And it is so contentious right now with owners and players you don't need to be upsetting the other. One doesn't need to upset the other, vice versa. We all know the issues. Now we're going to bring another issue into this that concerns money. That's a valid point. Very valid. So I wonder if this is kind of nips it in the bud a little bit. It's out there. We're talking about it, but yet you may not see it used in the competition. The other thing is it gets at the heart of what is the biggest issue for baseball right now. Strikeouts. The, the, the single biggest issue that we talk about seemingly every day, Dan, is the strikeout rate, the lack of contact, all of those things. And we've come up with a million different rules that would change everything, right? And yet there is something in – it's this open secret apparently within baseball that this is what pitchers are doing, and it's increasing their effectiveness by 30%, and it's their version of steroids basically without actually having to take anything. Like if we could get rid of that, and I don't know how you do it. That is much easier said than done. If you eliminate that stuff – well, now maybe you don't have to do all of this stuff. Maybe you don't have to ban the shift the way that we're talking about. Maybe you don't have to move back the mound. You don't have to change the strike zone. Like some of those things know. still I, might be necessary, I but 30%, gonna, yeah. if, if 30% is the real number. I, I, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying. Completely changes everything about what we're watching right I'd now. I'd rather see that be a part of more changes coming, but that sure. would be maybe front and center. I mean, 30%, that's an incredible, it's huge, incredible amount of difference with guys that are just doing it normally to adding a little a little grip let me put wow. this so football terms right uh your average quarterback throws four thousand yards in a season a 30 percent spike means they go up to 5200 yards right. in the over the course of the season Th- that's patrick mahomes that's going from jared goff to patrick mahomes in terms of your output so like think about that in terms of a 30 percent spike it's crazy this is a good show. Uh, you've got Alex coming up. All right. Are you ready to tell me what you have? I'm very much looking forward to this. So we have Joey Vitale coming up at 1230. We're going to continue with this Giovanni Gallego situation to kick things off. And Alex is a Ferrario five for us today. It's the five left wing options that could be available for the Blues this offseason that could fix their top line problem. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors, we're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. 
You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.